podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week is Dave Harris. Hello. And Mike Breslin. Hello. So what is the In Around podcast all about? Well, every week, three mates get together to discuss and debate the world of football. This week, we'll be talking about United's big win over City, asking if Pep is underperforming, and celebrating Chelsea's Scottish charity. You've been waiting for that one. We'll also be answering a listener question, which reminds me, if you do have any questions for the panel, please get in touch by DMing us on Twitter at In and Around Pod or by emailing us at In and Around Pod at gmail.com. But first things first, how are you, chaps? Good, thanks. Just uh, trying to not worry about the C virus. <laughs> the C virus? <laughs> Come on, we were going to bring up coronavirus at some point. Yeah, but bring, call it coronavirus. You sound like you've got some kind of like duck disease. <laughs> and you're it's scared because, of it. It's because some of the people at work are going overboard, so we're, we're banned. Are they going overboard it? the side of the boat into the sea? Is that what you're trying to say? It feels like we're banned from saying the full thing. Is, is your work like a Harry Potter book? Where you're like, no, oh, the virus just, that must not be named. Just a lot of hysterical middle-aged women. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, I dear. hope you're better. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Good, it's been a good week for me. Yeah, what I've a... avoided the C virus. The C virus, okay, yeah. okay. Have you got scurvy? As far as I'm aware, anyway, I, I don't think so. I, I really don't know what to do now. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to let's the glory to... days of Manchester United. Yeah, we can start with a um, uh, Man United, Man City, like the derby, like if we have to. I'm still over here in shock at the idea of a C virus. <laughs> Um, but let's start with it. So United won two nil. Um, Martial and Scott McTominay with the goals. Um, United did what needed doing, didn't they? Pretty much. Yeah. It's. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I guess you could have predicted how the game was going to go. City were going to have a lot of the ball. Uh, United were going to try and counter attack. Oli set his team up to do exactly that. I was a bit confused with Pep's. Uh, Lineup, to be honest, it was, he always seems to do this in big games. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it's quite frustrating at times. Um, obviously, worked for him in Madrid last week. It did yeah, but uh, didn't work for him at Old Trafford. They had a lot of the ball, but they just couldn't seem to didn't really create, penetrate. Didn't. I tweeted a few times off the off the Twitter saying. Our City had had pretty much all the ball, but they hadn't actually done anything with it. And that seemed to be the story. Apart from after Mares came on, they looked a much better they side. Did, yeah. um, well, Mares came on and sort of showed everyone what it was like to watch a winger beat a fullback. Because. And. <laughs> Wambasaka did. Wambasaka? Wambasaka. Well, Wambasaka, I knew. Wambasaka. Wambasaka. in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I've got the C virus. Um. Could he absolutely well. um, shut down Sterling. It wasn't even funny what he was doing it to was him. He was fantastic, wasn't he? By the end of it, I was just like, please, Pep, move Sterling to another wing. I don't understand why you're doing this, but... I mean, you've got a player out of form in Sterling up against one of the best 1v1 defenders in the country. Um, I'm still concerned about one bissaka going forward. But yeah, he does seem to be improving, and apparently United are working with him specifically on that. Yeah. So I'd have, he's got a lot. Obviously, he's young still. He's got a lot of time to improve on that. He's a bloody good one-on-one -on -one defender. Yeah, Carrick called him the best. The best in the world, he in said. The country, I, in the country, did he? Not the world, yeah. Best, oh, best one v one defender. Was that clickbait from Sky Sports? Yeah, it probably. Was. Excellent yeah. work. <laughs> They've done me there. I didn't even listen to it. Um, he could well be in the country. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd back that probably one-on-one -on -one anyway. Him or Van Dyke, I guess. Dave, what do you think of it? Uh, yeah, I think I thought Man City had a questionable lineup. I was surprised to see uh, Phil Foden. I know one listener of the pod, he shan't be named, but we all know who he is. This Actually, really is Harry Potter. <laughs> is it coronavirus? No, it's it's Henry Hodgson, uh, he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just carry on with what you're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Phil Foden, not really sure what he's doing starting in this, this in game. In the man of the match performance in the yeah, but, no I still think you start Mahrez to be honest I would start Mahrez too but um, see what he put Bruno Fernandes <laughs> was fantastic has yeah. been since he's arrived um, yeah Wan-Bissaka to be honest was impressive defensively uh, and also it's nice to see Man United actually be able to bring players off the bench that can make an impact 
mm. uh, like McTominay back from injury, but offers something different to most of your midfield. Yeah, he looks good again. Icarlo is a target man, which is something you haven't had for a long time. No, I um, really like him as well. He works very hard, did doesn't you, he? Did you see De Gea ping that 80 yard pass to him? He took it down with his first oh. touch. Yeah. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> Manchester is red. That's what's going on, everybody. Yeah. Also, Fred, just fantastic. Fred's, Fred has Love been brilliant this season. He has been brilliant for a while. And everyone's obviously realising it. But, it, I mean, I did not want him anywhere near the first team at the no. start of this season. I'm sure I've said it before on here. And my word has he changed my mind. Suddenly, a midfield of either... Fr- well, I, I guess you... If Pogba's meant to be coming back from injury, which apparently he's in training again, I don't really care about that. He's irrelevant. Get him out. But um, other, okay. than, other than that, <laughs> Fernandez, uh, Fred McTominay, looking pretty tasty. Matic as well. Matic been really has been good. fantastic recently. He was another one I'd written off, and I was I'll put my hands up and say I was wrong about that. He's come back in and been brilliant. Twenty games played, fourteen clean sheets when Matic was involved. It's That's, hard to argue with that. I mean, Matic is a phenomenally gifted footballer. He just needs the players around. You saw that at Chelsea. You saw that at Benfica. Um, I think, interestingly enough, though, about this game, despite United playing very well, it was two really, really, really poor mistakes by the goalkeeper, Edison, for Man City. He, personally, I thought he definitely should have saved Martial's shot. 100%. And what he's doing for the Scott McTominay one, I do not know. Do not know. Yeah, the first one obviously really clever f- from Fernandez. That I feel like they kind of use the image that Martial has, that he's lazy and he's not interested sometimes, yeah. and so he looks like he switched off, and then bam, he's there. Fernandez puts it perfect, exactly where he needs it, which I think went a bit under the radar. That is a hell of a skill what he did there. A hell of an assist. Uh, and then Martial, the ball coming over his shoulder, obviously another really hard skill to get that. So he gets on target, which is his job. And then, like, yeah, Edison's got to save it, really, hasn't he? But uh, I suppose as a City fan, he saved you a few. Yeah. And uh, with the second goal, obviously him throwing it out straight to McTominay, his distribution is one of the reasons that Pep brought him in and Pep loves him so much. Maybe you, you, it's going to happen occasionally. Yeah, you take it the bad. You've got to, at some point, he's going to make a mistake like this. It's a shame it was at Old Trafford against United, I guess. I think, interestingly enough, though, um, for all of United's great stuff, they played this counter-attacking style. They don't win the game without those two mistakes. Yeah, that and is it, a good point. It raised questions for me. We talked a bit earlier on in the season about why, um, back when they were both a bit under pressure of results, why Frank Rampart was getting the rub of the green from fans and pundits as opposed to Ollie. And we said at the time that the reason we thought that was because... Frank is committing to a style and a philosophy. You, Ollie's style and philosophy is what? Because I can't see one outside of youth. I'm pretty sure about a month ago I said something. Sit yeah. I don't know what it is, and I would would want to see something. Yeah. So the results um, have picked up, but I'm results not have got any better. Style. Yes. The style changes week to week, seemingly yeah. depending <laughs> on who we're playing. Yeah. Uh, he seems to have got a pretty a style that works particularly against City but against a lot of the big teams we've done the double over Chelsea mm. and City and we're one out of two against Spurs playing them at the weekend obviously yeah. with you would say a fairly good chance to go there and win mm-hmm. um, so he's clearly he's got something going although he can't counter attack against Mourinho Spurs but anyway yeah. as far as against your Burnleys and your Watfords and teams like that I have no idea what he's what he's trying to do and yeah. that's where my concern with Ollie lies. Interestingly enough that the ability to beat the small teams is what wins you league yeah. titles ultimately. Mm-hmm. Take it you um, have to pick up every point against them pretty it, much. Um take the last team I think that really got hammered for it uh, was probably the Chelsea team when Mourinho first came back. They couldn't beat the little teams, however they did the double over the two people that were right above them. If he doesn't establish a style because Football moves so quickly. United. The way people talk about United now is that they are three players away from being yeah, it's a, hilarious. a title challenging side, which yeah. they have a really they have a good squad. Not a really good squad, but they have a good squad, and they're probably not wrong. But without a style for the players to buy into and for the 
the people behind the scenes to buy players for, are they always at risk of just being this, like, sort of perennial top four at the moment? Or do you think they can win the league title by being solely pragmatic? Not as they are. Not for me, to be honest. Um, You've got to... You've got to have a style. Pep has a style. Mm-hmm. Won the league last year. Klopp has obviously a has a style. Espirito Santo. Has you a style. pretty much know what Wolves are going to do. Yeah. Sean Dyche at Burnley. Sean, you know what they're going to do. No, no, I know. Of his style. No, I you know. know what they're going to do. Yeah. You pretty much know how Leicester are going to play yeah. most of the time. They've thrown in a few shockers here and there, but most of the time, you know what they're going to do. You know how Chelsea are going to play badly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what Mourinho's Spurs are going to do even yeah. though it's crap you know what they're going to do Eddie Howe's uh, yeah. Bur- uh, Bournemouth yeah. you, you, you go to, managers you, you two don't like you go to watch United and you haven't got a clue no you don't know what you're going to get and it's it's going to cost them in games um, well it, it already has and already it will continue to um, that, that's the worry yeah asking the players to do different things all the time it's not really instilling the style that they're going to master if they're having to change change what they're doing and what they're focusing on week in, week out. Being flexible is important to winning a league title um, to a point, though, because I remember Steve Clark saying in one of the documentaries about um, the old Chelsea teams um, that they could go up and set up for a gritty 1-0. We could set up to defend, or if people wanted to come out and play football against us, we'd play football against them, all this. We had it all in our locker. I'm not convinced. That's definitely good. That's what you want. And perhaps you can see a more expansive style come in from United once they've got another person in that midfield. However, again, with the fullbacks that they've got in the modern game, I still think they're going to struggle to be as expansive as possible. But um, they are moving towards a style. It's a style that's quite familiar in the Premier League over the last couple of years. Because you watched it with um, uh, Eden Hazard at Chelsea, Jack Grealish at the Villa. Um, more recently and to some extent Kevin De Bruyne on this City team I think um, it's one player being your style like Fernandez has totally changed that team scores goals he controls everything that they do they, I don't I, very rarely a move goes by without him involved in it centrally he's been there what four weeks he already mm. takes free kicks penalties the lot yeah. everything the Thierry Henry effect we call that it's, it's pretty amazing the transformation that's happened in in basically, what is it, six weeks since yeah. he's been there? He signed at the end of the window. Me and you have already said how much we like him. What do you think of him? Oh, I think I think Bruno Fernandes looks fantastic. Um, yeah, I was at the time a little questionable about the fee. Um, but he looks very assured. Uh, excellent technical ability and he clearly, clearly is able to drive the team both on the ball and also off it, I think. Leadership. Yeah, he's really he's talking. a bit of a marshal uh, in the midfield. No, he's up front. <laughs> what? He scored the goal. <laughs> he scored the goal. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. He's a bit slow there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, carry yeah. on, Dave. Um, but also, oh yeah, I've lost that. Well, he's not only a marshal, uh, not Tony. Um, he's also a creator, which is yeah. what you've been crying out for for... Yeah. Absolutely. A long time. Saying all that, and he's obviously an incredibly gifted player. Potentially, and we're talking about a player who's got the potential to be one of the best players and to be the best player in the league, probably potential-wise. Um, however, are you a bit wary about an over-reliance on Moretti, Mike? Well, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves yet. He's a, he hasn't played that many games. It's a small sample. No, I know, but um, from what we've yeah. seen... <clears throat> from what we've seen, he's bloody good. Uh, and he's totally transformed us. As Dave said, he's the creator that we needed. You don't. You you need at least another person who can kind of do what he does. So if he gets injured or suspended or whatever, you have to rest him because he can't play every game. He can't no. possibly play every game. If they're going to have a Europa League run, an FA Cup run, and the Premier League top four race, he's not going to play every game in that. Which means you can't, you just can't be so reliant on one person. Like Spurs, I know it's kind of two people with Son and Kane, but Kane went. It's so reliant on Harry. And Kane. they're huge yeah. for goals wise. 
he scores all their goals. He's gone, and they're looking around like, what the hell do we do now? Mm. And Jose didn't know what to do. They're a really good comp, actually. For what? That's that's as close as I happened. can get, I think. You'd say the same with Arsenal if Aubameyang got injured, I think. I really yeah, probably. don't yeah. really know what they do without him. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's my worry with them, is it? They're United are already sort of approaching overlines, and this is why yeah, it's taken six weeks already. The idea of having a defined style really comes into play because you can't be. You have, it's a team game. You've got to be a collective brilliance rather than just individual brilliance all the time. I, I think if if he wasn't playing, we'd drop back into what we were doing before, which I don't even know what that was, but it wasn't great. Says <laughs> <laughs> so the importance of another creator from the wings, maybe a Jaden Sancho. Oh. Get him in. Pogba really out. Sancho in. I'm, I'm good with that. It's going to be really upsetting when you know either Sancho and about to being good. And uh, Jude Bellingham. Um, yeah, Jude Bellingham too. I'll take him as well. Um, right. So enough about the brilliance of United and particularly Bruno Fernandes. Oh, by the way, have you? Um, this is a side, but have you two played FIFA and played against Bruno Fernandes yet? Because Derek Ray no. goes, Fernandes. Fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fact. No. It's kind of like not. when you used to play Thierry on Reebok in 05 and he's like, Henry, <laughs> what are you doing? Anyway, back on, back on track. Um, Man City, this is Pep's record number of losses in the league season. Uh, let's just quickly give the update. They are a gazillion points behind Liverpool. Um, they are struggling this season. Uh, they've lost Laporte and Sane. Um, a lot of the problem with the defence has been put down to Laporte being absent. But I would say it's to do with other people being moved around as well. Um, I suppose we have to ask the question is if Pep is underperforming. And what are the problems with City for your um, mind, Dave? I would say City are underperforming, especially when you look at what they did last year. City or Pep? Or both? I'd say both. Um, obviously, some of the players themselves had some pretty poor games. Um, John Stones has made a lot of errors this this season. Even the Carabao Cup, where he sort of just fell over mm. whilst watching the ball, um, <laughs> which let Villa sort of back into the game. Uh, luckily for him, he picked up in the second half and they still won. Um, Thing. Also, Sterling, to be honest, has, hasn't played well. Since has November. not played well for a long time. Um, you've also got to look at Pat. The fact that yes, Laporte's amazing. He's a very good centre back. But you'd think that maybe he would have been able to drill the philosophy into the rest of the team, mm. especially the defence, so that if there was to be an injury, Stones, Otamendi could step up. But what it looks like is Stones and Otamendi were fine with Laporte but not necessarily with each other um, yeah and it's kind of like Liverpool if you were playing Lovren and Gomez yeah agreed Van Dijk and Lovren Mike what do you what do you think you're a big Pep fan uh, yeah I am still a big Pep fan no yeah um, yeah. <coughs> but yeah I do think he's underperforming it's, it's his most domestic losses ever yeah. in the league I think which uh, is a pretty bad start. I know he's obviously managed some very good teams. Yeah. I think it's, is it seven, I believe? Yeah, seven. Seven losses this season. Um, which is, incidentally, Sheffield United have lost the same amount of games. If you, I mean, if, if anyone would have told you after 28 games... <laughs> they'd have lost the same amount. But they'd have lost the same amount of games. I don't think anyone would have believed you. Um <clears throat> Otamendi just looks like a lost man. You know he's going yeah. to commit at some he point. Was, he was awful in the <sighs> derby. Him and Zinchenko, they didn't know yeah, which, what say, they Zin- were doing between the two of them. I felt so sorry for both for Edison behind him. I'm like, there's no wonder you got these two clowns yeah. in front of you. Stone. It, it just seems like Pep doesn't trust Stones at all. Understandably, I think. I at don't this necessarily point. blame him, but that can't be nice for Stones. <laughs> you, when you I'm know your sure. gaffer doesn't really back you. Mm. Fernandinho's in there. He's not a centre back. He's quite small. He does a job, but they miss him so much in midfield. Yeah. When he's not there, he is underperforming. Obviously, Laporte is a big miss. But there's, you said it earlier, and you earlier on this podcast a few weeks ago, I think that maybe it's time to just start teaching your team how to blooming defend. 
You said say it well. I did say that. However, a little smug. However, smug I've about. sort of changed a little bit of my mind. It's because I think the problems, obviously, the problem was, part of the problem for Fernandinho being out of position is the fact that the port was injured. However, the problems for City, I think, start further up the field. What I was watching, I've watched them a couple of times recently. And other than in the Real Madrid game, their press does not. Yeah, look I was right going to say all. they don't really press the front three. They don't not, press as hard. And if they do, they don't do it in sync. And yeah. it's a, and the problem is now football is so reliant on the press and this idea of that it's you have like Liverpool is press press press. City have sort of got away by curating a balance between um, possession and the press, and the blend looks a bit off at the moment. And also, once the press, if the press isn't as good, that means more people are breaking into your midfield, which means that the job that Fernandinho has done over the last couple of years of tactical fouling at the base of attacks rather than at the point of attacks near the box has meant that City are allowing people to get far closer, which is why you look at the teams that have given them real trouble this season. Uh, Wolves, I keep going back to the Wolves game because it's like the encapsulation of City season. Uh, Spurs. That was pretty, they pretty much ended the title race. Spurs to some extent. Um, I'm talking about the first one at the end. No, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, United. Um, you're looking at you're looking at team Norwich to some extent. You're looking at teams with quick players who can who play and can get at you quickly. City are really struggling against these teams, and it's no wonder they did okay against um, Madrid because Madrid didn't attack them with any pace outside of Insignius yeah. at all. If I'm Zidane, I'm spending the whole time looking at that leg going, well, Gareth Bale and Insignius have to play the next leg. They have to, We have to go yeah. for pace and power through this midfield because they can really be got at. Um, in terms of everything else that's gone wrong with City, we talked a few weeks ago about their recruitment. Their recruitment has been shocking. Absolutely shocking over They're- the last... Oh, defensively over the last couple of years. Even their fullbacks, who he spent a yeah, fortune was, on, were yeah. rubbish. I think one of his big problems this year has been rotation of fullbacks. Yeah. Left backs being Mendy, Zinchenko, and Angelino, who's since, since gone out alone. Even at right back, there's Kyle Walker, Cancelo. Cancelo looks good. Not defensively, though. Yeah, yeah but even so, I. It's it's just weird. Uh, you can't get a settled back line if you're changing your fullbacks that often. The midfield three, as well. Uh, you've got David Silva who's on the way out, so you can't play him as often. Phil Foden perhaps isn't as ready for some games, especially to start. Mm-hmm. Sort of left him playing Gundogan sometimes, even when he's been on a poor run of form. Just because who else is he going to throw in there realistically? Gundogan, incidentally, is the only City player that played well in the derby. In my opinion, I thought he uh, he he didn't play great, but he ran. Um, yeah, he I mean, about. with Gundogan, you know that he's just going to work and work. Um, doesn't necessarily that mean that he would be there in some of the other games? I feel, but interestingly enough, fullback being a problem position, everyone's going to point to the fact that from this season they didn't replace company, they didn't replace him in an extra centre half that Pep trusted, they didn't replace his leadership. Big problem there. However, Pep's teams. To them, it's been so important. Fullbacks have been so important to the way Pep has played since he's come into the league. In terms of, you've he drops three, he drops it to almost three at the back, and he pushes the two fullbacks into midfield to create another line of midfield, and he sort of lets the front three go and get it with another two behind them. So he's almost he's almost playing something weird like a two three whatever. So he's got the front, and if your fullbacks aren't on it, it you can't play that way, and you can't play the way that you want to play. And the fact that he spent all this money on replacing fullbacks in the first season makes me think, after two seasons, when you realise you had to play Fabian Delph at left-back because you couldn't rely on Benjamin Mendy's fitness, you couldn't rely on his defensive ability, it is madness to me that he went and spent all the money he did on Cancelo without sorting out the other problem. Because Walker is fine for yeah. what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He's probably not absolute peak what Pep wants to do, but he's fine for what he wants to do. He can L- do it. Left-back's a huge problem yeah. for them. Huge problem for them, which has probably been alleviated over the past because Laporte's playing in that side of the defence. But you can't win a Champions League with Zinchenko or, or Mendy, I don't personally think. And that is ultimately what they, the project the City's trying to do. Well, that's that's got to be what they're going for this season. The league's gone. Yeah. So you've got 
they've already won the Carabao, so that you've got the FA Cup and the Champions League, and really, yeah, the big, the reason they Mansour bought the club was to buy yeah. the cha- win the Champions League, not buy the Champions League. Sorry, <laughs> they were pretty much trying to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to go there, but <laughs> I'll go there. Yeah, it's hypocritical, but I'll go there. Um, I, do you want to? I think we should probably stop talking about them now because I think we're all in. We're all in agreement that Pep's underachieving. Um, however, I'm really looking forward to next season. It's going to be a hell of a summer transfer. Because there's going to be a lot going on. He is going to buy, I think, an entire new backline. Uh, and I just pray he comes over and he, he doesn't come over to us and says, "You know, Reese James. He looks like he'd do exactly what you want him to do. Plays in defensive midfield." Attacking can defend. He looks like the perfect pet fullback. That's what I think every time I watch him, and I'm just absolutely quaking in my boots. We'll have De Bruyne. If I he think will. he'll try for Chilwell again. I think he will too, which will be interesting. I'm not sure how great he is. Um, speaking of the mighty Chels, the mighty mighty Chels. They had the most impressive result of the weekend, Mike. The most impressive result. They beat Carlo Ancelotti's Everton four nil. Um, uh, Mount, Pedro, William and Giroud with the goals. They conquered Merseyside in a week, Dave. Um, Billy Gilmore came down from Scotland and put um, put the Scousers to the sword, didn't he? He was unbelievably impressive. Boasting it, boast? Both of the FA Cup match against Liverpool and then against Everton in the Premier League on his first Premier League start. What did you think of it? He just looked so assured. Um, the confidence... Already stuck out for me actually was in the FA Cup game where he glided past Fabinho. Just for his age, just looks so mature. He's got so much confidence. He always wants the ball. Um, Also, seems to have pretty good decision making. I think he's he will try the the long pass and the harder pass, which is what you want from him. But also, he will play the simple pass when you want him to. But that's not all he does. Um, yeah, really, really impressed by him. Looks a huge talent, to be honest. Um, and yeah, he's been getting a lot of plaudits. Um, fully deserved, in my yeah. opinion. Looks a real, real talent. Brez, um, one of our top 15 Premier League players of all time, um, was sat at home watching him. Mr. Roy yes, Keane. Yes, he was. <clears throat> what did you think of him, Billy Gilmore? And Mr. Keane's comments? Well, yeah, Mr. Keane was pretty spot on. Um, if you didn't hear what he said, he said he... Um, he was watching the FA Cup game against Liverpool uh, without the sound on and he hadn't seen the teams just sat at home with his feet up cup of tea and a biscuit bit of chocolate I think it was was it was it a bit of chocolate and uh, and he he couldn't work out who this who this guy midfield was turned out it was this uh, young Scottish lad who played again at the weekend uh, and he called him yeah he said he looked like a world class player and he was bloody right He's fantastic, isn't he? He's got absolutely brilliant. He's brilliant for so many reasons. However, he's always got time. He's got Everton tried to put him in a box. That's how you know someone's a really good player when they always look like they've got time. So I went and watched um, Everton. I watched the I watched highlights from Everton versus Chelsea last year at the Bridge, which was nil nil draw, because I wanted to see what they did to um, Jorginho versus what they did to Gilmore. They were much less aggressive in their pressing at the weekend. In fact, there was zero pressing from Everton. It was a shocking display of defensive football because they were just getting outworked in the middle of the park as a result. That was Ancelotti's fault. Yeah, yeah, it was. He set them up really poorly. 4-4-2 doesn't work unless you're willing to press and you've got two midfielders who can cover the ground. And they just didn't. They well, just didn't. It's not going to work against the five in midfield. No, no, it's a very good point. Um, however, going back, uh, they put... Everton under Marcus Silva put Billy Gil- would have put Jorginho in a box, and you could sort of see that Everton were trying to do that at the start of the game. Richarlison and um, DCL, DCL, we call him, <laughs> uh, were trying to put him in a box, and his movement and just he kept moving around, and they just couldn't cope with that. And once they sort of gave up on that, you saw them really take a grip on the game, Chelsea. Um, I thought he's brilliant. He's he's. You talk about his passing range, but he's committed, he's mobile, which is really key because Jorginho is not mobile yeah, at all. Um, the two of them are going to have to play together against Bayern because Kovacic is injured, which is going to be really interesting Talking to watch. Talking on earlier reliance of teams on a player, I was almost going to bring up Kovacic to Chelsea this season, but 
last couple of performances look like you might be okay without him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been really good. The Chelsea midfield looks like it's in good hands actually, because I thought Mason Mount after a like mid season dip came back at the weekend and looked brilliant. His finish was yeah. excellent. Yeah, excellent. He could. He had it was a really, really good performance all round from him, which uh, like you say, he's been a bit off form recently, but he he appears to be back. First goal since November in the league. Wow. It felt like it had been a while. It had been a while, yeah. Um, Barkley. Oh, yes, let's talk about him. Ross Barkley. You want, uh, like, if, if Every time you think he's done, every, he pulls you back He's in. back again. His goal against Liverpool, do you remember when he was coming through and everyone said, oh, he's a bit like... And it was, we were all like, oh, my God, they're at it again. They're overhyping English talent. And they're a bit like... He moves a bit like Gascoigne and Rooney. And you're like, the way he runs with the ball and he can make the right decision. And then for years, you're just like, he looks like... He looks like Scott Sinclair, not Paul yeah. Gascoigne. Um, but against Liverpool, he was brilliant, committed, breaking up attacks and then like moving with the ball. That goal he scored was fantastic. And then the problem with him is he's never followed it up with another good performance. And at the weekend... Or a string of them. At the weekend against Everton, and it's probably because it was Everton... He'd refound that ability to shift the ball quickly and to get past the man. I thought his pass, his first time passing was excellent. He, two assists. That I mean, Mount Barkley, Gilmore, what a day they had at the office! Yeah. Absolutely brilliant they were. Dave, what do you think about Ross Barkley? Um, it's a weird one, isn't it? You always think maybe he's a bit of a squad player at Chelsea at times, and then yeah. he always seems to find a run albeit usually not a long run sometimes even just one game where he looks good I think Barkley's even at Everton always been a bit of a confidence player Yeah. Um, if you put him in a team where he's sort of allowed to do more what he wants than being regimented I feel like he always plays better um, he just wants to go out and play how he plays Um also, I feel with Barkley, if he comes under any sort of criticism, definitely affects his performance. Yeah. Saw it at Everton in his last season when the fans didn't really want him there. Um, Barkley's still only 26. Yeah. Um, it would be very harsh to say that we've already seen the, all of Ross Barkley. Just may not be at his peak Ent- yet. Entering his prime years, yeah. Yeah. allegedly. It's about time he started putting okay. together some consistent performances like this, though. So let's ask the question... If he and I'm going to preface this with the fact that I don't believe he's he's going to perform like this consistently. But if he can put these kind of performances together consistently in a way where he's got goals, assists, work rate to his game, um, how much does he a raise Chelsea's ceiling as top four contenders, title contenders, whatever you want to think? And how much does it raise our English chances at the Euros? Would you say? I mean, with Chelsea. If you have, you know, Barkley, and you've got Gilmore now come into the fra- the fold, Mount, uh, Kovacic, if he's back from injury. I'm thinking. Later. I'm thinking next season as well. Next season. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking longer it, term with Jorginho as well. It's five. Hopefully not. I I don't have as much of agreement <laughs> with Jorginho into as the you. Sun. Um, that's five pretty competent centre mids. Um, and a good spread of defence and attack um, in terms of what you're looking from them. Um, with England, it's always hard to say, isn't it? We've seen yeah. so many players be great for their clubs and not really perform for England. And there's been a few other players, mostly when I think of Peter Crouch, <laughs> wasn't a world beater but always played pretty well in an England shirt. Yeah. Um, think the English midfield as a whole is a very competitive very one. Um I mean, you've got players like Deli Ali, who there's no question his ability. Just has he been consistent? Probably not. James Madison, Jack Grealish. Um, then obviously you've got to fit players into this like Sancho, Sterling, Wideman, <coughs> Mount's going to yeah. be in there. Yeah. Mount, of course. Barkley will be in the mix now. People, well, he would have been anyway. I but hope not. But there's still now. some Harry Winks fans out there. Um, yeah, Winks always gets a look in somehow. Never seen him play well. Hopefully not. Jesse Lingard so, is is really yeah. what, no. what I'd hope. No, not. Um, if, if Ross Barkley's almost been the um, unfulfilled potential, there's always one player go doing the rounds who everyone says is going to be 
the next big thing and then they're never quite the next big thing. Um, I guess the question is, if you were to pick one who is that you remember being the one that you were convinced was going to be the next big thing and it never really was, who would it be? It's hard to pick one, but I know of one that comes to mind straight away. Uh, for me, it's David Bentley. Um, burst onto the si- oh, here I am, Michael. Burst Rich- onto the Michael <laughs> Richards. Um, well, David Bentley. Two central defenders really burst onto the scene. <laughs> uh, Mika Richards really. Oh, here we go. I'm <laughs> Mika Richards. Uh, David Bentley sort of made a name for himself at Arsenal. There we go. There's the weekly gaff there. Um, oh, that was the first one, was it? <laughs> no, not the so first one. I'll acknowledge. Okay. Um, yeah, he made a name for himself at Arsenal and then when Norwich were in the Premier League, 04-05, as an 18-year-old went on loan there, was a standout player, moved to Blackburn, looked very, very good um, in his seasons there and then went to Tottenham but just never really got played consistently and he just fell off, to be honest. Uh, like Even now, he's only 35 Moved to moved to Tottenham at twenty five when he should have been at the peak of his powers, uh, but never really turned out that way. In fact, came to Blues in the season we got relegated and won the Carling Cup on loan. Um, Three weeks in a row, the mention of Blues winning the Carling Cup. Oh, Good you know, world. it's all we cling to: Jude Bellingham <laughs> and that cup, and from Martin's Fremen. Um, all right, okay, that's enough from you in the corner. Um, Brez, for you, a player who you thought would make the grade but didn't. I thought Rubinho was going to be a world beater. Yes, yes. He's probably the one for me. Just never seemed to <clears throat> materialise. I started at Santos. Um, it's kind of a similar sort of era to uh, David Bentley. He's 30, 35, Bentley is. Uh, Rubinho's 36. So he came through 2002 was his first appearance in the Santos. First team, he made hundred. Eight appearances, scoring forty-seven. So you, yeah, pretty good things are happening. Goes to Real Madrid, obviously, hundred and one appearances at the Bernabeu, and then move, moves to Man City, which is probably where he's best known to the English fans. Mm. Whilst I'm sure they knew of him at Madrid. Um, Former sign for Chelsea. Thank God he didn't. <clears throat> yeah, went back, to, went to Milan, couple of loan spells at Santos, made a classic move to Guangzhou Evergrande. <laughs> <laughs> you love that, and he's uh, he's actually still playing in the Turkish league. Who's he played for the Turkish league? Uh, you're really testing me here. Yeah. Istanbul Başakşehir. They're actually not a bad team. How was that pronunciation? Uh, we'll come back to your pronunciation in a minute. I didn't realise you were an expert on Turkish football. Well, um, enough, yeah. <laughs> mate. We'll start a new podcast for all the Turks out there. I mean, when Hugo Rodiega and Cameron Jerome are running round, what's not what's not to follow on a weekend? And Rubinia. Okay. We don't really care. Who was yours, Will? Uh, mine was Mario Goetze. Goetze uh, and I'm not going to really go into it why, except for the fact that I'll tell a story of when we were watching uh, Borussia Dortmund play Real Madrid, not Real Madrid, play um, uh, Bayern Munich at the Wembley final in 2013. We watched it in Mike Breslin's house and Goetze was sat in the stands because he was injured, but he'd already agreed that he was going to play for Bayern Munich under Pep this was all ahead of the game everyone knew it was coming and there were loads of people who said he was going to be the new centre forward for um, he might play centre forward because he'd started to play a bit as a number 10 and I at one point said to um, Mike and everyone with complete confidence that he would be uh, the new incarnation of Messi for this new Pep's team (laughs) and it was the worst take of all time and your dad laughed at me rightfully laughed at me Um, big up Chris Breslin (laughs) Well, we can't really not mention Bojan Kerkic. Yeah, we can. Let's move on. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh on. my God! You mugged me right let's, off. Let's move on to. <laughs> let's move on from under, underperforming youth players to underperforming teams. Uh, Burnley played Tottenham. It was one-one. The expected. You <laughs> mate. I can see the steam coming out of his ears. Let's just move on. I don't care about Bojan. Uh, maybe to save my uh, mate support Stoke. Uh, Brez, the Burnley Tottenham game. You have got a real disdain for Jose Mourinho's Tottenham, so you can take this one. Give us the stats. Yeah, um, obviously finished 1-1, goals from Wood and Alley. Um, for all those out there playing along with the in and around drinking game, I'm about <laughs> to mention XG, James Yates, that's a shout out to you. Um, 
Burnley created 3.35 expected goals, obviously only scored one. Spurs 1.14, which I'm surprised they even created that many, to be honest. Um, yeah, Jose's in more trouble. Norwich, obviously, dumping Spurs out of the cup on penalties. Tim Krul, what a hero. Um, they've also just gone out of the Champions League, got hammered by Leipzig over two legs. Yeah, for posterity, <coughs> this is again recorded on a Wednesday. So they lost 3-0 away from home to Leipzig last night. So they're out of four cup competitions now. Yeah, um, I, they're not going to make the top four, I don't think. Whoa! So, what's up? I did, didn't. Who was it who said that they would make the top uh, four? You know, I think that was well. actually me. No, it was it was definitely me. I'm good. It was definitely me. Okay, well they are still only seven points behind, but they're not going to get there. I'm sorry to say. Um, God. Yeah, <laughs> I guess the the main interesting point about Should this game them? was. Mourinho's comments on Ndombele after the game. Now, Ndombele had an absolute stinker in this game. He was horrific. Let's have some stats. Do you want, I'm always up do you want some stats. Do you, you want to know, know how many sprints Ndombele made in oh, the first half? I know the answer half. to this, Dave. Do you, do you know, know the answer? Isn't it one? No, no, zero. No, zero. Do you know, do you know he know was where... 11th on the team, yeah, which so means he was behind the, the, the goalkeeper. He was oh, also Lord. tenth for something. Uh, it was distance maybe distance covered, covered distance behind Luke. He was if only you, in front of Luis. If you want to, yeah, be concerned if Luis is up and down. Probably was picking the ball out, isn't it? Well, to be to be fair, I mean, Luis is just wank as well. So, <laughs> um, just quickly, if you want to see it, just a evisceration of a double tactically and effort wise go and watch Jamie Carragher on Monday Night yeah, Football he, he destroyed because, him and he was totally right because I watched it and I'm like I've never seen someone be more spot on with a player and Don Blade feels like a bit of a show pony and I know there's loads of people out there who go and say oh he's got all these he's this great footballer you, did, did you, you see just, him on the ball you just don't see it like because he was brilliant on the ball he reminded me of Yaya Torre how, the way he picks up the ball mm-hmm. finds a pass he can dribble He's, people are, are going to struggle to tackle that guy. Yeah. Uh, but he just does nothing when he hasn't got the ball. That's why. I, that's why I said show pony because he's obviously brilliant, but he doesn't work. And if you don't work, like if you don't work, there's no point to anything else you do because ultimately there's a reason why managers like Jose Mourinho said a team of eleven says our Aspilicueta wins the Champions League. It's because. Managers value hard work and knowing what they're going to get from players. Like they've already got enough star players in that squad on a normal basis. They need him as a record signing to start showing what he's about. And he plays in midfield. You can't hide in midfield. You just can't. No, and if you watch Jamie Carragher pick him apart, he was hiding. He was not. He was not trying to get the balls. Not to reiterate, but the the bit was they were playing. They were playing five centre halves. Tottenham. Across the back, five centre halves away to Burnley, and, and I'm a Jose fan. That is wild. And Ndombélé was playing alongside Skip as well, he which was. makes this all the worse. So Ndombélé is was pointing where to play the passes instead of going into space and picking up the ball himself, which is what he should have been doing. He was horrific. However, we're a sort of in slight disagreement in the in and around panel as to whether or not Jose Mourinho was right to dig him out because. I'm leaning towards the fact that at the point of his career now, we are in we're in March, he's not clearly putting in the effort. I think at some point, because Mourinho will have been digging him out as soon as he got there. I've, I think at some point you have to go and do it publicly I've, to get that reaction. I think it's it's a risk. I mean, Undumbele's had a few poor games, not sure any as poor as this this season. Maybe Jose thinks... Can't stay fit either. This rod up, his, rod, rod up his arse is going to get him to change. However, it's not also on the other foot. Not really fair to slate him so publicly, I feel. Unless, I mean, we wouldn't know. But if he's if he's been slating him to his face beforehand... I'm pretty sure And it's made been, no yeah. difference, then fair enough. But <laughs> I imagine that's the case. But if he's just suddenly... You know, throwing him, throwing him at the public, it's, it's not really fair enough, I don't think. This is a, a classic Jose yeah, tactic. We've seen this before. Mm-hmm. He did it to Luke Shaw. 
he kind of did it to Eric Dyer. Even he's already done it at Spurs. Mm. Called out Eric Dyer already. He's also whether it's the right thing. It depends what sort of character he is. I imagine he's been in Ndombele's ear pretty much from the second he walked through that door. Yeah. Um, I understand it takes foreign players a bit of time to settle sometimes. Obviously, Fred took over a year. And now yeah. he's really good. But at least Fred was trying. This guy yeah. is just... Yeah. I don't like... Managers digging out players publicly is never what I would like. No, but I however, don't like it either, however, really. But... I think there has there comes a point where you've got to dig him out in public as a last resort and if they don't because he did it to Hazard as well and Hazard turned around and performed and won the player of the year the season after so it it does work but he was dreadful in Dombele and he needs to pull his finger out yeah I agree hopefully he knows the character and he know he he's worked out that he he'll get a reaction but if not it could be a pretty swift exit for a, a huge big money signing yeah, at Spurs yeah. which they haven't spent a lot of money recently as we know no. for that to go wrong this would not be ideal for them um, so Deli Ali scored I can't remember this. he's got the quickest player to 50 Premier League goals or something is something that? like that yeah. is it that English um, I think yeah yeah and it prompted a question from you Brez about whether or not Deli Ali's underrated yeah, I, I'm i not sure. We've obviously seen him do amazing things before, and he's still not that old. 23. 23. So the volley against Palace, so that was I'll incredible. always remember. What a goal that was. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what, what I think of this, which is why, why, why I asked the question. So, so I'd so like you guys to give him. It's a tough Your one takes. because I feel at times he's overrated, but then at the same time, he's shown time and time again his unbelievable ability for someone his age. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you really give pretty much any Tottenham player a fair analysis the way they've played and underperformed this season as a team rather than individuals? Probably not. Um, like, everyone knows... You know, Son's a great player, however much you dislike him. Well, uh, Harry Kane. I don't dislike him as a player. I just think he's, he, I think he's, borderline dangerous. But again, it's it's hard to really give him a fair, fair crack of the whip off this season. However, sometimes I feel when I watch Deli Ali, sometimes just wish he was doing a bit more. Yeah. Um, with Ali, you know that he can do things, but sometimes you feel like you don't really get to see what he can really do, is, is what I feel when I watch Deli Ali. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no questioning his, his ability, because he is a fantastic player. Except I'm going to question his ability. Um, my appraisal of Deli Ali is slightly different. I think the player who burst onto the scene, there you are, Mika, um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, um, as a really young kid, 18, I believe, um, he was out of this world. He was technically gifted. He could bit of everything. Had a real nasty streak, which I like, as everyone knows. Um, and he was one of those players that... Pull I love Son. <laughs> yeah, but there's a difference. There's a difference. Son willingly broke Andre Gomez's leg. Oh, get um, off it. <laughs> anyway, Deli Ali's... Nice one, Son's guy. Had a bit of everything. Um, was young... Could move with grace, and we're going to ignore that comment. Um, and now isn't that player, and I think the player he is now, if anything, is overrated. He has sort of gone through, I think personally, similar to Pato, Alexandre Pato, is when Pato first burst onto the scene. There you are, Mika. Um, he's he was brilliant. He was quick. He had everything. And as he grew, as he put on. As Milan coached him to put on muscle to deal with the rigours of the game, his body couldn't cope and it sort of led to all these leg um, and muscular injuries. Um, Deli Alli's a bit the same. He's, I think he looks bigger. I think he looks bulkier to cope with the Premier League. And I think it's drastically meant he, he's not the same phys- physically as he once was. He's quite think, 
He's quite lanky now, isn't he? Yeah. Six foot two. Yeah, which I think has led him to slightly change his game from what he was. So the Deli Alley that we think of, I'm not so certain exists, and I think the person in his place is perhaps slightly overrated rather than underrated. Is my appraisal a bit bread? Yeah, that's fair enough. <coughs> be interested to, uh, to know what you guys think. Drop us a tweet on Twitter at In Around Pod. Um, I fired that out. It got a few responses, to say the least. Most people thinking that he was underrated, but uh, you've just said some reasons why he might not be. So yeah. let us know what you think. I wanted to quickly talk about Mourinho. Um, I'm the biggest Mourinho fan on the pod. One of the best, biggest Mourinho fans probably in the world. Um, <laughs> Mourinho's always... It's a take. Mourinho's always, except for Jose himself, um, he's always sort of flaunted the um, the three... You know you know the idea of the three-year rule, which is that you you have a team, you build it, it's successful for three years, then you have to, re, you have to rebuild it, maybe reinvigorate some players. I always thought that Mourinho was a victim of never getting to do that. If we say that players can decline, like man, if we say that players decline when they get older, I think it's a real thing that managers can also decline. Yeah. And when I look at Mourinho now, I look at someone who can coach a defence brilliantly and can coach and get teams up for it brilliantly. However, I'm a bit worried about him offensively. I think it's totally left him behind. And I think that Tottenham, for the stage they want to be at their career, they want to be as a football club. I think it was the wrong appointment. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought that at the time, but it did make sense why they went for Mourinho. Interestingly enough, while talking about the three-year rule, I think Pep mm-hmm. needs to take a leaf out of the other side of Manchester, Sir Alex Ferguson. And when we talk about buying a new defence, I think he's at the end of his three-year cycle and he needs to sort rejuvenate the team in the way Fergie used it. Yeah, I was having a look while we were chatting about Guardiola just at how long he spent at each club and it's mm. about the time yeah. when he usually leaves. Mm. Um, so we'll see what happens. <clears throat> anyway, enough about those two old farts. Let's take a question from Twitter. Uh, the ever-reliable Chris has been in touch again. Um, he has asked a question from a few weeks ago, really. What are your thoughts on the heading ban in training sessions for under-12s? Um, we had a quick chat about this pre-pod. We all seem to be in pretty much agreement that this is a good thing. Um, yeah. Why Why is it a good thing? Well, I mean, it's been it's been something that's been looked at for a while, especially off the back of Jeff, yeah. Jeff Astle, the old West Brom player. Yes, yes. Um, and also I saw Gordon Cohen's, the... Odd Villa captain, 61, got diagnosed with dementia in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. It's clearly something that they've been looking at for a long time. Uh, and they have made this link to heading the ball um, to to like dementia and, and, and such. I think it's probably a good idea that kids, I think we all remember at the age of eight maybe, heading a huge size five. Felt like you were getting hit by some bit of concrete, I always found. Um, it's probably for the best that they're allowing them to not sort of do that at a young age and bring it in as they progress through the age and more physically. Um, so it's something that maybe has less of an impact on them. So, Brez, you played a lot of football when we were at that school. That is very true. You played a ton of football. Yeah. Headed a lot of balls. Headed a lot of balls because yeah, you were that's a defender. Why my opinions are so poor. <laughs> um, do you, are you worried about not teaching people at an earlier age. I, I mean, I always enjoyed the... Uh, I always liked heading the ball, as weird as that sounds. I I used to like it when people would just boot it as high as they could and I'd see if I could get my head on it. Um, <laughs> but I think it kind of makes sense to... If, particularly with some of the research that's been done, if you can avoid it for a while, keep the ball on the ground... Um, maybe make I know it's a young age I think it's up to under 12s is it? So you're not going to make a huge amount of difference in technical ability of players but maybe we can get a bit better with the ball instead of booting it around um, heading it a lot of the time from my experience refing the ball isn't that high for most of them to head it anyway in that sort of age they can't actually 
I'm, I'm talking a bit lower than under-12s, but they can't necessarily get it to where they can head it, really. Um, Interestingly... So it makes sense. You can bring it in. I don't think it's too much, too difficult to learn, heading and stuff. Um, so... To me, I like it, yeah. Uh, interestingly, it is during training, but obviously, it's more you can't really regulate what goes on in the game. Like no. you can't, you can't, you can't punish a, a defender not... for over, you know, going over his amount of headers he's allowed each game. Can you? Um, I mean, I I think it's all for the best. Obviously, they've made this link. Uh, Glasgow University found that. Former professional players are actually three and a half times more likely to die of dementia than people of the same age in the general population. Um, obviously, when you consider how healthy professional footballers are in terms of general fitness and what they eat compared to most people, it's really shocking that that you know that three three and a half times more likely. Yeah, I've I've got nothing else for you to say in it because I just think again, as we've said on this podcast numerous times, we've talked about fixture ingestion. Football is only football when we've got players to play it and um, talented players and I want everyone to be as healthy as possible. And yeah. if this helps, it helps. And if it helps us to get more technically brilliant and we can win a World Cup, that'd be even better. That would be lovely. Yeah. I'd, I'd be all for that. God, I'd love a couple of days of work to celebrate. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, last week we started off a bit of a Super 6 type game where we went through the fixtures in the Premier League and we... Guess the results and see what we do wanted to do. We're going to do the same this week. And if you want to play along with us, um, we're going to tweet what we've uh, tweet our table, which recaps everything we say here about the predictions. And then you can play along too by tweeting us your predictions at In and Around Pod. Um, last week, David Harris won. He got the most points. He got ten. He got two results spot on: Liverpool versus Bournemouth and Sheffield United versus Norwich. Got all the rest of them wrong. <laughs> um, Mike also got <clears throat> one result spot on and then uh, sorry one score spot on and then another result correct and they were Liverpool versus Bournemouth and Arsenal versus West Ham I got three results right but got no scores wrong so somehow I, I lost but I'm not bitter that's, that's the way the point uh, system it's, works it's nonsense is what it is anyway this week let's quickly run through them and I want you to give me your score and maybe a quick reason why um so Watford play Leicester at Vicarage Road. Um, Mike, who have you got winning this one? Um, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I know that it's a clean sweep from us. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, I've got 2-1 Leicester. Dave? 3-1 uh, Leicester. Uh, I've got 2-0 Leicester. We're all in agreement that Leicester are the better side. Why have you got Leicester, one of the best defensive teams in the league, conceding to Watford? I've quite rate Watford going forward and especially how they've been playing recently but not enough to win yeah because I think Leicester I think it'll be I think it'll be a fairly tight game that is sort of end to end just fast counter attacking football Um, but I think Leicester have more quality Mm -hmm. in finishing and they'll probably create slightly more chances than Watford at least they'll create more better chances whereas Watford May, may well create chances they sort of have to snatch at because that's the sort of team that they are. Jamie Vardy back amongst the goals is going to be a big deal for them. Yeah, that um, is huge. Harvey Barnes, by the way, he looks good. has been year. really good this season. Sort of flown under the radar. I always wanted to... If we didn't have so many great wingers going to the Euros already, probably, I think he'd be in with a shout. He's English, isn't he? Yeah. He feels like one of those who could be secretly Welsh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brighton versus Arsenal at Brighton. The Amex um, again, lads. Uh, I think Arsenal win this because Brighton are woeful, and Arsenal seem to be getting their legs back under themselves under Arteta. And we got accused, by the way, I forgot to tell the two of you this, of being a very anti-Arsenal podcast, and that we hadn't said anything positive about was that Arteta. From Ross Bird? It was that, about a couple of Arsenal fans. That's not good. I won't tell you what I've got the score. <laughs> <that's there. laughs> um, I just want to say that I think. Then they're going the right place under Arteta. Although they were terrible last weekend and should have lost to West Ham, Brighton are so woeful at the moment. I can't see Arsenal not beating them. I, but you two disagree. Yeah, I think this game's going to be close. Uh, not necessarily close. What I think score, it's going to finish one-one. I think Arsenal are going to pepper them. Um, but Arsenal being Arsenal, sorry whoever complained, Arsenal fans. 
Um, I don't think they're going to be clinical enough. It'll be one of those games where they'll score first. They won't kill it off. Brighton, maybe Neil Morpai will um, probably injured knowing my luck. Actually, I'm trying to speak about players like Aubameyang. Um Yeah, I've, I feel like they'll score a late goal probably in the last 10 minutes uh, and Arsenal won't find a second and it's going to finish 1-1. Yeah, 1-1 I've got. Okay. Um, Norwich versus Southampton. Timu Puki versus Danny Ings. Two fantasy Premier League darlings who've sort of gone off the boil, shall yeah. we say, later in the season. Dave, as a Danny Ings fan, have you got this one going? 2-0 Southampton. 2-0 Southampton. Mike? Yeah, I've got Ings winning the battle 3-1 Southampton. I think it's going to be 2-2. Absolute chaos it'll be. Absolute chaos. Probably the best game of the weekend, but... Could be, yeah. I just think these two teams... I mean, Southampton have sort of gone off the boil a bit recently again. and They've shored up their defence a bit. Yeah, but Norwich can always score a goal, but they can't save any. Um, probably going to be an interesting one, but let's move on. I, that's I a little nil then, isn't it? I, well, nice two, one. Two. Yeah, the, the curse of the pod. <laughs> we just don't know what we're talking about. Um... Let's talk about Newcastle versus Sheffield United, which I can't see be full of goals. I know I've given up the kiss of no, death now, but... I haven't got much to say here. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. Yeah. One, one. 2 on Newcastle, I reckon. 2-1? You think there's going to be three goals in this game? I think Newcastle are going to win. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, amazed you picked Newcastle I'm, out. I'm going 0-0. Nil, nil. I'm going 0-0, nil, nil, and I'm just going to quickly say, you haven't got much to say about this game, but two fantastic keepers, I'm sure. Dean Henderson's yeah. right with Dubravka. I watched Newcastle West Brom, uh, West Brom, and I was, I was gutted that Dubravka wasn't in goal. Yeah, so you got gutted. Carl Darlow, who's a Championship keeper. Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> One of these days, I want to rank the goalkeepers in the league just to prove a point because someone told me that they thought uh, Tom Heaton was better than Dubravka. Oh, Is what? that no, no, no? And he <laughs> won, and they weren't alone. Like someone was trying to because I was arguing that Dubravka's up there with like Leno and being better oh, yeah. than Leno and things like that. Um, one day we we'll, one day we might do that. Um, that would be fun, actually. Let's move on to possibly to me the biggest lock of the weekend. To me, you've been to uh, me to you. Um, to me on the early points. Uh, Man City versus Burnley at the Etihad. Uh, Burnley are terrible against Man City. They lost the return fixture to four 0 at home. I know we've spent a lot of this pod talking about the frailties of Man City. Burnley, oddly enough, with with a severe lack of pace, are one of the few teams probably not blessed to take advantage of those disadvantages. So I have Man City winning three nil. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's a clean sweep again. I've got two nil. Um, I think it will be a bit tight, and I don't think that um, Burnley in a score. I think I don't think they're going to concede too many, but. Yeah, I think City will take only three points. Dave's got one nil as well, so we've got a clean sleep of si- clean sweep of City wins. Why only one nil for City? Do you just think they're going to struggle against Burnley's uh, defence? I think Burnley are going to shut up shop, and Man City have been a bit off the boil, so I don't trust them to put them to the sword as I usually would. Um, let's move on. Uh, the other game that's really uninteresting <laughs> this weekend: Bournemouth versus Palace. Me and Mike Breslin have uh, both got nil-nil here. The reasons why neither team are brilliant offensively this season and we just think it's going to sort of cancel each other out that way. Dave, you, however, think Palace can do yeah, the job on Bournemouth. Is, is, is there a reason for this or do you just really not like it? No, no, no. <laughs> Honestly, just want Palace, to yeah. Palace in the last month or so have become one of those teams that are very good at grinding up one-nils. Um, they're... They're pretty decent at the back, um, and Jordan Ayew's hit form. And I, not just because he's in my draft team, I do actually back him. Benteke's looking a bit better. I I back them to to score a goal. Um. Okay. Uh, Villa versus Chelsea is also happening. A game that I would actually be at myself. Uh, was a, I was at the other uh, the other fixture, but um, I famously hate predicting Chelsea games because they never go well. And Ch- Villa Park's a bit of a bogey ground for Chelsea don't often do very well there Frank Lampard's never done particularly well against the Villa himself however saying that after watching Leicester play Villa on Monday night I'm not sure how in good conscience I could pick Villa to beat anyone and now they're definitely beating Chelsea I've said that yeah. however I'm predicting it's a tight 1-2-1 one, one Chelsea how do you two see this one going? I've got Villa to score but 
Chelsea to score more. Three one Chelsea. It's kind of like, like Chelsea games this season. Can't yeah. manage a lot of them. Uh, three yeah, nil. That's what I'm expecting. Three nil. Three nil Chelsea. I've gone. Okay. Um, moving on then. West Ham Wolves. Provided this goes ahead, although this one might be postponed because of coronavirus. Wolves travel to Olympiacos. Well, the big the big C virus. The big C virus. Uh, they um, travel to Olympiacos, who've been got Arsenal a particular problem. Um, however, if provided the game goes ahead, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I think this is going to be this will be a good game. I think Wolves are too good for West Ham, even away from home. Uh, I've got two one, two one Wolves. I'm, I'm a big fan of Wolves. Two 0 Wolves. Think they they've got way too much for West Ham to to get to grips with. I'm a big fan of Wolves. However, I can see this being one one because West Ham were very good last week, and Wolves still are yeah. going to have Wolves are West still. West Ham have been getting better. Wolves are juggling uh, Thursday to Sunday, Thursday to Sunday. And I think that's going to be really interesting to watch them keep doing that. Um, moving on, Spurs United, Mike. Talk me through it. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty awful game. Um, Mourinho's going to sit there and pump it long to Ali. As he should do, really. I don't think he's got much of a choice. So he is going to do that. Mm. Oli is going to try and play counter-attacking against yeah. a counter-attack. So it's going to be a horrible game. Stodgy, I can got in my head. I'd like to think United will come out on top. Maybe Igalo will start and we can have a bit of a presence up top with target man of sorts. We nick one, one nil, I've got United. This is going to be a type of game where not having a style comes back to bite them hard. Yeah, Dave? Yeah, I also think Man United, uh, one nil. I think we'll be close, uh, but on current form and Spurs that are pretty dreadful, I, I think United will scrape this one. I think it's going to be a draw. Uh, I can see um, Spurs nicking one off a set piece or something, and I just don't think United are going to be able to break them down. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I just, I just don't. I'm not looking forward to this game at all. No, um, no. A game I'm also not looking forward to is Everton versus Liverpool. Everton uh, have playing at home. Thank God for them because their away form at top six side Everton is woeful. They haven't won a single one this year. They were dreadful at Chelsea. Their mentality was shocking. Um, even though Liverpool have a slight continental hangover, I think it's probably going to happen, um, I can see Liverpool winning this one 2-1. Everton just don't beat Liverpool. Yeah, I can't. We've talked about this on the pod before. Everton seems to have a mental block against Liverpool. At 3-1, I've got... Uh, I'm really backing Liverpool 10 up. I've gone 5-1 Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> you better hope they do get knocked out like they look like they might do at the moment um, so what we're going to do is the, we will put these up on our Twitter so you can play along too remember that's at in and around pod and to be honest lads I think that will probably do it for this week um, you may have noticed that other than briefly touching on Champions League we're not talking about it this weekend that's because next week we're going to do a podcast after all of the fixtures are finished so we can look back at our predictions see who was right who was wrong um, perhaps talk about how we see the competition going in the future and probably talk about um, uh, the Chelsea's incredible, incredible second leg comeback against Bayern. When they go to the Allianz, they win 5-0. Bayern don't get a shot on target. And Chelsea go through on their way to winning the whole thing. Can we um, clip that and put it on our Twitter, please? <laughs> that was said, said with possibly the heaviest dose of sarcasm I've ever said. Um, however... Um, Dave, in the meantime, if the people want to k- 